Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date information. Green Mountain Chronicles number 28. Turning on the lights, electricity comes to rural Vermont. I remember the first day after they had put it in and they flipped the switch. They walked around through the rooms and they'd flip on the switch and look up. Utter amazement, you know, and it was so bright. I remember, oh my gosh, how much lighter it is, you know. And then they'd go to another room and the whole house, every room had the light on and it was left on. I don't know that they turned it off. I think they just left it and were amazed that we had it. 1943, and electricity comes for the first time to the home of Lucine Patno's parents in Morristown Corners. Thomas Edison had invented the incandescent light bulb in 1879, and by the 1880s, hydroelectric power was bringing Edison's invention into Vermont's larger cities and towns. By 1900, 55 Vermont communities were electrified. As the century progressed, power companies continued to expand service into the state's more populated areas, but bypassed more rural sections. Yet farmers, such as Winston Churchill of Berlin, were especially eager for electricity. January 6, 1946, turned the juice on, first time here. That summer, I was out in the old barn running in the mowing machine section, and then somebody stopped out in the road, and I said, something I can do for you? Well, he said, uh, we've got electricity over fires Francis poor and we're thinking of coming right straight through and said you want electricity and I said you got something you want me to sign <laughs> said don't you want to know better no I said all I want is electricity Churchill's power and that of many Vermont farmers came through the help of the Federal Rural Electrification Administration the REA as Jack Starr of Troy recalls in 1943 we were milking around a hundred cows by hand and uh, the REA came into my neighborhood, and that was the first that uh, we experienced anything with electricity. And up until this point, uh, we'd always had an ice house, and uh, we'd have to get ice every night to put in the old ice cooler to keep our milk. And uh, we burnt kerosene lanterns in the barn and kerosene lights in the house. And, uh, you know, when these... Uh, when the lights came in, it was, you know, it was a tremendous improvement to the farm situation. I guess you'd call it a new life. I probably wouldn't be around there now. <laughs> I mean, it made lots of difference with the work, you know. And I think back of the things that we used to do, had, had to do, because there's no other way out of it. And uh, we didn't do it that way anymore. George Sibley was born in 1905 on the farm established by his great-grandfather. In 1939, Sibley's father helped organize 30 farmers into the Washington Electric Co-op in order to bring power, with the help of the REA, to East Montpelier's back roads. I well remember the day that I came out of the woods and saw lights in the house. Well, I'm telling you, <laughs> that was some day. Yeah. Lanterns, that was the one thing that I was most pleased about after we had... Uh, Washington Electric, my mother didn't have to wash K 
kerosene lamps every day. I always remember we had we were always cautioned about the lamps. And one thing that I w wasn't fond of, it was one of my chores some of the time, and sometimes my sister used to wash lamp chimneys and make them shiny and clip the wicks and keep the lamps filled with oil. Even in the late 50s, two Vermont towns, Victory and Granby, in the Northeast Kingdom, remained unelectrified. They were so far from any power lines that no power company would put them in there because it was too expensive. Rodney Noble of Lunenburg lived for 23 years in Granby. In 1959, an annual celebration, Holiday in the Hills, was initiated to draw attention to the towns and convince the power companies to extend electrical service. In 1963, it worked. The uh, president of Central Vermont Public Service, Albert Cree, said that we could have power by the time snow flies, is the way he put it. And we did. Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org, where you can find background information on these episodes, as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org slash donate.